This year marks the 10th anniversary of joint accreditation for interprofessional continuing education, and we celebrate 10 years of accreditation decision-making. We're really excited to talk to our guests today. From the co-founding organizations of joint accreditation, we have Kate Renier, the Executive Vice President of the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, Demetra Travlos, the Director of CE Provider Accreditation for the Accreditation Council for Pharmacy Education, and Kathy Chappell, Senior Vice President of the American Nurses Credentialing Center. Thank you so much for joining us today, ladies. We're so excited to have you all. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Yes, thank you very much. Looking forward to it. This is the Coffee with Graham podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Simmons. In each episode, we'll discuss different issues and hot topics in healthcare with ACCME President and CEO, Dr. Graham McMahon. We'll also have guest interviews from our continuing education colleagues. These are monthly conversations that address local and national healthcare priorities. Thanks for listening. Melissa, I, uh, I just want to mention that in addition to the three of our organizations, we really are, are proud to speak about joint accreditation. On behalf of our colleague accreditors, the other six professions that have joined uh, over the past couple of years, um, the American Academy of PAs, the American Dental Association's Continuing Education Recognition Program, the American Psychological Association, the Association of Regulatory Boards of Optometry's Council on Optometric Practitioner Education, the Association of Social Work Boards, and most recently, the Commission on Dietetic Registration. So really, on behalf of all nine of us as accreditors, we're happy to talk about joint accreditation. Actually, joint accreditation started um, with us first recognizing the value of collaborating, right? It, it wasn't really joint accreditation that we set out to do. Uh, we set out to collaborate as colleague accreditors um, recognizing that we could benefit our community if we aligned and, and started to collaborate more about accreditation of CE. Um, in that effort to collaborate, we came up with different uh, sort of, I guess, projects, whether it was aligning our terms and definitions, uh, focusing on ACCME standards for commercial support, um, different things that might benefit our shared community. And it was um, after we tried a joint application um, that we went out to uh, providers that were multiply accredited, and they basically told us the, the best thing we could do to help would be to come up with a single pathway. Um, so that's how joint accreditation was, was born, so to speak. But it really was all about us figuring out how to collaborate. Talking about collaboration, explain the concept of facilitating healthcare education by the team for the team? I think um, we spent a lot of time on, on this question because I think it, everything we do is about making sure that activity is designed deliberately by the team for the team. And we have continued to refine what does that actually look like in operation so that everybody has the same kind of frame of reference when they look at planning and an educational activity by the team for the team to improve team practice or the impact of the team on patient outcomes. So that means that all members of the team that the that are in the target audience, if the if the activity is designed to improve 
healthcare um, that includes physicians, nurses, pharmacists, social workers, physician assistants, and dietitians, that each of those professions are represented in the planning, that they all have equal input into the planning, and they're all there to reflect the individual scope of practice and, um, and how you know, that profession works. And then, so it's designed collaboratively. The activity is intended to improve either the competence or performance of the team or the impact of the team on patient outcomes. Um, We've continued to refine. So we've embedded um, over the past 10 years, we added um, a component at the activity level that says learners have an opportunity to learn from, with, and about each other, which is important because when you're designing team-based education, you have to interact as team members. So you can't just talk at people who are, you know, happen to be different, representing different professions in the target audience, they have to learn from within about each other. That's the hallmark of what interprofessional continuing education is. So we deliberately embedded that into an expectation at the activity level. And that when they're evaluating that activity, they're doing so with the with the lens of the healthcare team. Kathy, can I uh, add one thing to that? Absolutely. And that, that is probably most important is how we define interprofessional CE, right? Um, interprofessional CE is defined as um, education for two or more professions uh, where they're able to learn from, about, and with each other in order to improve the healthcare that's delivered um, or the patient outcomes. And, and that, that's what Kathy just described, how to make that education interprofessional CE is what we're, we're all about at Joint Accreditation. Now talk about the transformative value of IPCE and what it has it brought to the community. Demetra? You know, I think that's a, that's a great question. And actually in uh, these times, a lot of people talk about the value, right? There's a lot of people out there that are looking at resources and stuff and trying to identify that. And unfortunately, you know, just the way we see in general, usually if anyone has to cut anything, usually education is the first thing they cut. However, ironically, in this day and time of COVID, let's say, COVID came out and no one knew anything about it. And so everybody's like, oh my God, we need to learn about COVID. How are we gonna learn about COVID? And so many of our providers had to gather together and try to identify the content around the COVID in order to try to get that information to the teams. That's the thing. It wasn't even, COVID isn't even, and this is a perfect example nowadays, in that COVID wasn't even a thing that when it came out, oh, the physicians need to know about COVID or nursing needs to know about COVID or specific profession. It was the team needs to know about COVID, you know, and I think in the value of education, and at one time I remember speaking to a CEO who was considering, it was a very large organization and they were considering of cutting back their education. And as Kathy mentioned earlier, you know, the the CEO mentioned about patient outcomes, patient care, and similar to Kathy being a nurse in a variety of settings, I was a pharmacist who worked in the clinical setting, primarily in the transplant setting, and that you can't get more team-based than in that environment. And you saw that when the team worked effectively, you definitely did see positive patient outcomes. And so... I, I, in addressing this to the CEO, I'm like, if you're expecting your healthcare professionals to work together as a team, why can they not learn together as a team? 
And I think one, whether it's a value or an impact that I have seen over the years happen is that when they are learning together, when, when they have to practice together and then they learn together, it gives them an opportunity to also reflect upon how is their practice? What can they improve? Uh, what form can they use better? What communication skill can they do? Uh, is a certain profession taking on too much that another profession can do? Can they work together in a more efficient, streamlined manner? And then ideally, that turns out to a positive outcome at the end of the day, not only for that patient, but also for the healthcare system in the terms of even resources, even a saving, you know, a lot of CEOs want to know about that bottom line about saving uh, budgets or, you know, they're saving money in regards to that or healthcare dollars. So in regards to, you know, as much as I spoke about this, the CEO still had a question about, but what is the value? And then I, and then I said, well, let me put it this way. If you have an adverse event, what's the first question you ask? Didn't they know? And that's what did it for that CEO, which ideally we're all in the business of preventing any adverse events, right? So if you can practice together, learn together, it's, there's so many positives. There's such a huge list that let's not get to a sentinel event or adverse event and then realize, oh, we should have kept that education department together. So uh, I would answer uh, the transformative value of IPCE is at least at two levels. And we talked about this at the very beginning, Demetra, when we talked about the, the, that it can make the organization better. It can change the culture of the organization such that um, the team is accomplishing more and supporting more and, and performing better um, together. And I think to some degree, that's what we've been able to do as the three founding organizations for joint accreditation. Joint accreditation has made our organizations better, I think. Um, but then the, the second impact, and, and probably the one that most people talk about, is the impact on the performance or the patient care. Um, what is made better uh, through that IPCE has a direct impact on the care that's delivered. And I think we, we are lucky enough to see that and hear about that through both the applications that come forward for uh, initial or reaccreditation in joint accreditation, um, but also at our JA Leadership Summit that we host each year. We very often will ask for examples of stories or best practices or, you know, evidence that they've, they've had an impact through their I, IPCE. And we have just a wealth of examples. And I think that's, that's the most transformative is when that education has an impact and that that impact results in better patient care. I like what you said there, because culture is a part of every organization's foundation. Exactly. So, Kathy, can you speak to some of the greatest achievements that you've seen in joint accreditation over the last 10 years? Absolutely. And and I wish everybody listening had the perspective that, that we do, having kind of built this program originally out of a desk drawer, hoping that it would be successful, hoping that the vision that we saw at the time, and this was, you know, we said 10 years, we've actually been credentialing organizations, but, but it was a lot of work preceding actually, um, actually an accreditation. So, 
So seeing something that was our vision turn into a reality, it has been a fabulous achievement and we've continued to see growth. The first year we had two organizations and I think the second year we had two more organizations and we think, oh, is this going to be successful? And then we start to see organizations, those early adopters continue to be successful and we've continued to to have this pipeline of organizations see the value of team-based education for themselves. We've, we've, um, added six other accreditors to our program, which was certainly something we wanted to do from the very beginning. I think that's been a fabulous achievement. I think developing an interprofessional credit system that did not exist prior to joint accreditation so that people who are designing interprofessional continuing education can award this type of credit concurrently with their own single profession credit, but it allows People, you know, their employers, um, regulatory bodies to see education designed by the team for the team with a specific credit mark. We've had some state boards that have now recognized IPCE credit from a regulatory perspective for licensing. And I think that's been a huge achievement. And then finally, I think from myself, particularly interested in kind of the, the research around the field, we've had an increased interest in research around interprofessional continuing education and outcomes related to team-based education. And I think that's really where kind of the rubber hits the road, right? You want to be able to demonstrate or prove to the best of our ability within, within educational research that investing in team-based education makes a difference. So that when we see studies that are, that are rigorous and published and highlight the outcomes related to team-based education, we start building an evidence base that didn't exist before. And I think that's a, a huge achievement and will be a legacy of the joint accreditation program, collating and publishing and sharing the, the incredible outcomes that our jointly accredited providers have been able to demonstrate. Kate, how can IPCE be leveraged to address relevant topics in healthcare like diversity and inclusion and employee um, burnout? Great question. It, it's interesting. When we when we started with joint accreditation, we really thought the content would, would focus and lend itself to clinical care issues. And what we've seen is actually a large amount of education around how to support the team and how to address issues of burnout and stress, how to deal with improving the, the recognition of diversity and inclusion in both the team, the healthcare team, but also uh, the respect with respect to patients. So I, I think the fact that the education is by the team for the team really lends itself to these types of content issues that are broader than one profession, yeah. right? that really help focus the team on being a better team and delivering better care. So I think to that extent, IPCE is, really has an advantage in, in taking sort of a broad approach to these really important topics. Now, I'm sure you guys have gone through a lot of, a lot of lessons and findings, but uh, Kate, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned over the years? Biggest lessons we've learned, I think, have to do with how to, like Kathy said, listen and learn from our accredited providers, um, how to continue to uh, move our accreditation process forward in a way that doesn't get sort of bogged down in process, how to be flexible and nimble because so much is, is being learned about interprofessional CE and what works and, and, and how to be successful. 
we, I mean, concretely just added what we call our menu of commendation criteria. So we were able to provide a new option for organizations that want to sort of earn a higher level of accreditation and a few extra years by demonstrating uh, that they're meeting those commendation criteria. So we're, we're always looking for ways to make joint accreditation valuable, relevant, uh, flexible, and sort of positioned for the future. I think those are the lessons that we've learned. Learning how to collaborate, you know, sometimes I say right place, right time, uh, right people. And definitely this was the right people. And we continue to move forward with it. And some of the things that you learn as a kid, you know, I'm teaching my kid right now, you know, patience, communicate, uh, be able to work with one another, you know, down to the fundamental principles. And not only that, but I think um, I've also learned that to make something uh, have a success like this, you all have to have a common vision. Mm -hmm. And I think we all realized what that common vision was, and we were willing to strive and work towards it to make it work. So it sounds like it's been a long but rewarding and enjoyable road to get to where we are today. What do you envision for joint accreditation over the next decade? Great question. Great question. I think I would think that based on our track record, the, the recent couple of years, I think we would continue to grow in size in terms of the number of providers. I think their impact will continue to grow. Uh, we'll have more and more uh, research to Kathy's point earlier, uh, best practices that we can share. But I, I suspect we'll have more professions join. The fact that we were able to add six professions over the past three years or so has really been terrific. And I think we're made better by having uh, more members of the team participate. So, so I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll continue to grow uh, both in size, but also uh, in scope across the team. I'd like to see at some point kind of creating centers of excellence. I think what we're doing with our, our leadership summits with our jointly accredited providers is creating these communities of practice. And you're going to start to see these areas that are really centers of excellence for interprofessional continuing education, whether formally designated, but, that, but I think that that's an area. And the other thing that I would envision for joint accreditation over the next decade is um, more regulatory bodies looking for interprofessional, their licensed professionals to be participating in team-based education. I think um, I, I would love to see that as an expectation for maintenance of licensure or certification employers to be looking for their employees to be participating in interprofessional continuing education and for making um, interprofessional continuing education available at the workplace. So what are your best memories over the last 10 years? Kate, we'll start with you. Okay, so I should say something about the leadership summits or some of the other terrific work that our jointly accredited providers have done, but I think my best memories, my uh, best, most favorite time is when the three of us actually present together. Probably once or twice a year, we'll find ourselves at different meetings doing presentations about JA or interprofessional CE. And I love it because we finish each other's sentences. We talk over each other, mostly Kathy and I, um, and Demetra just very patiently waits for us to finish, and then she answers whatever the question was. Um, so for me, 
those are some of my favorite memories and the best part about it because really um, we've become such a team. I think at, at some of the at the some of the summits that we've had when we bring the jointly accredited providers together and they start sharing their stories and the three of us stand up like you know proud parents like they've done it there this is fantastic this is exactly that that is such a proud moment and it happens more and more now you know when we first started and it was a few organizations and we actually were doing site visits when we when when they applied and and we went into you know we went into the Federal Bureau of Prisons, for example, and listened to how they brought that team together and that and how they were able to provide just outstanding care for their patient population and support their staff. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that you can hear as an accreditor is the success that your provider community has in making a difference to patient care. Because as accreditors, we are removed from the direct line, you know, of, of patient care and and we are effective through the credentialing programs that we run. And so we're decentralized from, you know, kind of, you know, the front line. And um, so we get our, I get a lot of enjoyment um, through, through listening to the stories and the success that our providers have. I think that's a, a great question, Melissa. And I guess on a, on a, I mean, I agree with everything that Kate and Kathy have said. I mean, I'd like to think that we've created a sisterhood amongst the three of us uh, all these years. On a personal level, I guess a couple points, I, I, you know, I think what Kathy just mentioned, one, we're very proud of, of the providers. It's like you're seeing your child grow up and, and they graduated, you know, and look at how great this is. But, you know, just it's just amazing how when I think of how we started all this, and then when you see at the summits, people presenting and of what they've done, it's just amazing to me, the growth and, and what they've done. So one's very proud of that. But on a personal level, you know, like I said, I worked in a clinical environment. And so I did, I worked in an opportunity where I had uh, interactions with nursing, respiratory therapists, physicians, surgeons. And in my role here, that's not really the case. And joint accreditation has opened that up for me. So, and I had missed it so much. And so to be able to interact and even, I know personally, I mean, I, I'm not saying I, I've gotten here through hard work where I'm at right now, but the doors that it has opened, the meetings that we've all attended together, pretty sure that no one would have asked me to go to any of those meetings from a pharmacy perspective, you know, so being all of us together and being able to present and actually what I, I think I'm most proud of, even when the three of us present, I mean, we kid around, we joke around, but we present our information and we're doing it in a unified manner. I think that to the audience is, I don't know, I think I would like to think that's very positive that when you see these three organizations and or in a meeting where all the other six organizations are with us too and we're all together and we're all speaking on the same things and it's not staged. We don't practice these things beforehand. And to know that all of these professions think the same thing, I think that's a great impact. And it just, I'm really happy that I've been part of it. Yeah, and your relationship and the flow of your, the flow of your relationship and your camaraderie really comes through. So I think that speaks a lot to joint accreditation and the collaboration of it all. Kate, where can organizations go for additional information and resources about joint accreditation? 
Uh, great question, Melissa. I, I think probably there's, there's, there's a lot of different sources, but three that come to my mind. Um, the first is our joint accreditation website. Um, it's jointaccreditation.org. There's a lot of information and resources there that describe both the process and sort of what joint accreditation is all about. The second would be um, on that same website is a tab that lists the organizations that are already jointly accredited. And I think we see um, often it's very useful for organizations to, to reach out to their peers and sort of talk about both the process and the criteria um, and, and just to get advice. So we would strongly encourage sort of that peer-to-peer -peer contact. And then the third also available on our website um, is a, it's a series of reports that we produced from the Joint Accreditation Leadership Summits. Um, there are currently four reports that can be uh, downloaded and printed uh, that really describe a whole bunch of tips and tools and best practices and some real outcomes, um, success stories from jointly accredited providers. Uh, we've been very uh, grateful to receive um, grants, president's grants from the uh, Josiah Macy Foundation um, over the years that have, that have really helped us produce both the summits and the reports. Um, so those are the resources I would point organizations to. So thank you ladies so much for speaking to us and I've had such a great time talking to you guys. Um, and here's the 10 more years of growth and community of practice. Cheers. Yep, to 10 more years. Thanks, Melissa. We appreciate it. If you enjoyed this conversation, we're always looking to extend the discussion on CME. Feel free to reach out with topics you'd like us to cover or let us know how you're addressing these issues in your organization. Thank you for listening and catch us on the next episode of Coffee with Graham.